this morning we've got something a little bit different in uh, lined up for you. Um, let's uh, let's read a passage of scripture here first. It's, uh, if you have your Bibles or your your phone app or whatever app you're using, let's go to Ephesians. That's what we're working our way through. And uh, what a fantastic book that is, written by the Apostle Paul to settle some things that were happening uh, during that period of time, and they were uh, they were being saved and. Um, it was a whole new group of people. These were Gentiles, and, and so they, were, they had some, some confusions about their old life and their new life, and, and so he's reminding them of who they are and, and how they got there. And uh, today I want to talk about the way of salvation, but I'm going to read these passages. This is from Ephesians chapter 2, uh, verses 1 through 10. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked, According to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience, among them we too all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. But God, say that with me, but God. That great two words, huh? Being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ and, and raised us up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the ages to come he might show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves is the gift of God. Not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. And this is our memory verse, remember? For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. Father God, thank you for your written word. And I pray that God becomes a living word inside of each of us today, in Jesus' name. This uh, is really a fascinating portion of Scripture because it talks about what we used to be. Remember, this is not who we are now, but it's just who we used to be. And why is, why is Paul continuing to talk about how we used to be? Just as a reminder, it's a remembrance. It's a memorial day. We remember what we came out of. I love when we were singing that song, My Chains Are Gone, and Now I'm Free. And... Uh, uh, you just can't, when, you, when you're really free from the trappings and the snares of the enemy, I mean, you're really, you're free. You're, your body language even shows that you're free. You know, you're not some grouchy believer struggling it because your wife is dragging you by the ear to go to church any longer. You're up at 5.30 in the morning getting the kids up saying, come on, we're going. Going to meet with Jesus today, Right? Well, you need to go to the men's advance because that's... Um, it reminds us that the way we were was in large part because there was an enemy. There's a principality and power of the air. He still exists. He's been defeated, but he's like General MacArthur. He still had... You guys don't even know who I'm talking about, probably. But anyway, he was a, he was a guy that was a general, but he was, stripped of his, he was stripped of his authority, but they still gave him a title. 
And that's the way it is with the devil. He still has the title. He's the devil. He's the accuser, right? He still has the title, but he doesn't have the authority. Greater is he that's in us than he that's in this world. Before we were saved, we were children of disobedience. We, uh, we relished in the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. We, that's what motivated us. That was our uh, motive of life. Whatever felt good to me, and it was all about me, that's what I did. Well, then we find Christ. For by grace you're saved through faith, not of yourselves, not of works, lest anyone should boast. It's a gift from God. Then we find salvation, but the enemy is still at work. Let me tell you how he's still at work. He's still accusing, and he's still uh, wanting you to keep working to get saved. He, he wants you to fall back into a, a list of rules and regulations that will bring salvation to you. And so we're, we're in this quandary all the time. The other thing that the enemy has done is he's lied to the body of Christ. He's lied to the believers and says that, you know, uh, winning other people to Christ, that's not your job. That's for the paid professionals. Let's, uh, let's get a pastor to do that. And then all I have to do is I just bring somebody to the church and the pastor will do it. Or I'll call the pastor on the phone and say, hey, uh, my friend needs saved. You go lead him to Jesus. And we bought into this lie-based thinking that it's no longer my job to win souls. I don't want to share the gospel with anybody because I'm afraid to do that. I don't want to, I don't learn the scriptures that are needed in order to bring somebody to Christ. So the enemy has lied to the church and the church has bought into the lie. We think we build buildings and we have the, the best of the best of everything and make it so professional that sinners are just going to want to come and, and uh, be comfortable and somehow by osmosis or something they'll get saved. Well, I want to tell you that ain't how it works. When the, when the great commission that Jesus gave, he said to the disciples and to us, go into all the world and make disciples, teaching them the commandments that I've taught you. That's pretty interesting. We are to follow the Great Commission. The, a man that wins souls is wise, Scripture says. So the idea is that, that we are soul winners. We are saved to win souls. We are placed in an army of God that marches through this land. Remember the old song we used to sing, there's, there's healing in there, uh, there's deliverance in there, words and there's healing in their hand and we move through society and we transform it with the presence of Christ in us and with the gospel message because we have not transformed our neighbors our family even our immediate family because we don't know what the scriptures say because we haven't lived out the transformation that we have in Christ we're not we don't have the power to transform anybody else's life. If you look at most Christians today, they try to just blend in and say the name of Jesus, but are still involved in everything that the whole world is involved in. Whatever Hollywood throws at you and you see it on the screen, you go, oh, well, that's kind of fun. I can still have pleasure. I can still walk in the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. I can still do that and just confess that Jesus is my Lord. And uh, yeah, you can, but you're not going to have much power to win souls. 
I can have much of God's anointing in your life. He just doesn't show up in that kind of, a, in that kind of an attitude. So what does this world need? It needs Jesus. And we all say, well, yeah, that's true. But how are they going to find that? And Scripture says, how will they know without a preacher? And he's not talking about the paid professional. He's talking about all of us being preachers to creatures. We should be creature preachers. You're a creature preacher. So go home and practice on your dog. I mean, practice, practice on something. And, and then take it out into, into the world. So this morning... I have my lovely assistant is going to come, and, and uh, I've been waiting for this day for 40 years to lead her to Jesus. And so that's what, I'm, that's what we're going to do here today. We're going to lead you to Jesus. How do you like that? Well, some out here do. They, they think the pastor's wife should be saved. I think that's a good idea, too. So, so we've, I've entitled this message today, The Way of Salvation. In your bulletin, there's this little insert. And you can follow along with that. Rather than you taking notes and trying to keep up, I just thought it would be easier. Now, there's plenty of room on the back <laughs> to take notes. But uh, we're going to follow uh, along here with, uh, with a little outline of how, uh, if you get this down inside of you, these five basic things, you can lead people to Jesus. And so today, I just want to teach about how to lead people to Jesus. Okay, so here we go. Now I'm going to treat this foxy lady just like she was a, somebody that had visited Calvary Church. Okay. Hi, my name is uh, John. I'm the pastor here, and I've noticed that you've uh, visited a few times. In fact, I noticed you quite a bit. <laughs> You have to stay serious, you, I suppose. You can't, uh, you can't do that, not what I'm just saying. We're just having some fun here, okay? Just make it light. So um, what brought you to Calvary? Actually, a friend brought me. Oh, good. Yeah. And I was Why'd little, you stay? I was a little bit leery because this is that little church that mm, people... They were holy rollers? I heard that. I heard that more than once. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, I was a little bit leery, but because they were a good friend, I came anyway. I thought, i got to check this out and see if what people say is true. Yeah? So why did you keep coming back then? Well, the reason I kept coming back is because where I grew up going to church, everybody came in and they were real quiet. It was like real stoic. And people here are friendly. They come in, they talk to you. They give you hugs, they give you high fives, they give you knuckle bumps. Um, a few of those things, but there's a freedom here that never was in the church that I've attended. Okay. Uh, there seems to be a go in and be quiet, but don't talk, whereas here it's not that way. Here it's a freedom to praise and worship and, and uh, actually spend time with God, and when you leave, you know you spent time with God. Yeah. Well, you know, I've noticed that too. I, I, uh, I had a similar experience when I first uh, went to a Pentecostal church or a church that worships and uh, uh, the way that we do and uh, it was a, a little awkward for me at first too so I, I hear where you're coming from so but um, one of the things that I hear you saying is is that you notice the joy that people have and the freedoms Absolutely. Know? I remember the first time I sat in a church where they raised their hands I went I ain't doing that <laughs> 
I know the feeling. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And pretty soon, you just sort of go, hey, you know, you go along with Scripture because it says, with my hands lifted up and with my mouth filled with praise, right? So you, you kind of learn those passages and you go, well, it must be okay. And it's just a, something that's happening. Yeah, yeah. I've yeah. seen that happen. Yeah, I've seen it too. <laughs> and it isn't just because, uh, you know, we have fantastic praise and worship, which we do. It's the best far, you yes. know, from yes, we do. best in, a, in the world, actually, here. But, uh, you can clap. But, uh, <laughs> but it's not just because of that. There's something that God has done in each one of them. And, and um, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a wonderful thing that's happened inside. And uh, it's called salvation they they get it they understand that uh there's a transformation that's taken place lois let me ask you can i ask you a personal question sure um if you were to die today i hope that that doesn't happen by the way uh but if that did happen um do you know for sure that you would have eternal life that you would go to heaven not absolutely sure no i would hope so okay well, that's a, good, that's a good answer. You know, there's a lot of people that, that hope so, or, or some, some believe that, uh, uh, yeah, that, uh, that they would. And the Scripture says that in, in 1 John 5.13. It says that these things are written that you may know for sure or know for certain that you have eternal life. So these things are all written. The, the whole Bible is written so that you can know for sure. So you don't have to walk around not knowing. Isn't that good news? It is good news, but I never grew up knowing that I could read the Bible or understand it. Okay, all right. Well, that's, that's about to change because I've got some really good news for you. But before I share that really good news with you, let me ask you another question that might help us to understand a little bit better. If you did die today, and don't, don't, just don't do that, but, but if you did and you stood before God and he said, why should I let you into heaven, Lois? What would you tell him? How would you, what would you say? I would say I was raised in church. I actually I worked in the church office for several years. Really? I, no, I print the bulletin. I'm not a singer. I can't play the piano, so that part wasn't something. But I did the best I could, and I attended every Sunday. Sure, you're just a joyful noisemaker. Then you're not really a singer. Exactly. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of those here. Okay, so. <laughs> That's okay. Well, all right. Well, you know, uh, when we first sat down and started talking, I, I thought maybe I had some good news for you. And, and uh, I want to share with you, if you allow me to, uh, just uh, uh, a little bit about how I came to know that I have eternal life and how you can have it too. Would that be okay? I'd be glad to hear it. All right. Well, the first thing I discovered that was that uh, this thing called grace, I began to understand that, that heaven... Or eternal life was a free gift. It was a gift that God gave to me. And the scripture says in, in Romans 6, 23, it, the last part of that says that the gift of God is eternal life. And when I read those passages, I went, wait a minute, the, the gift of God is eternal life. What, what does that mean, the gift of God? So he wants to give us a gift. The other thing I discovered was that I can't earn it or deserve it. Because in Matthew, another place in Scripture, it says that Jesus said, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. And that's us. I mean, I'm not perfect. Don't say anything here, okay? <laughs> so so I'm, not, I'm not perfect. And, you know, you, when you read that script, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. It's like, what? what? How can that be? How can, we, how can we be perfect? So the standard 
of receiving this gift is perfection. Be perfect. Well, I, I can't be perfect. You know why that is, don't you? Because man, me, woman, you, is we are all sinners. For all have sinned, the scripture says, and come short of the glory of God. Romans 3.23 says that. And uh, we've, we're, we're, we've all sinned, and we've, we've fallen short. There's none, another passage of Scripture says, there's none that's righteous, no, not one. So here's this creation of a, of a dilemma. And um, the, the, the heaven is this free gift, and God's saying, I want you to have this gift. And here we are wanting it, but we can't receive it just because there's sin that's separated God's eyes are too holy and too pure to look at sin. So we, even though as hard as we would like to have that, we can't have it. So man's a sinner and he, and he can't save himself. Um, in Ephesians 2, which we read a little bit earlier here this morning, it just says that it's the gift of God by God's grace through faith, not of works. I, don't, I can't earn it. I can't deserve it. And so I've got, a, I've got this conflict inside of me all the time. Um, that's where I want to keep trying to work harder. I, I keep thinking, well, if I can do this and this and this and this and this, uh, I'll be able to make God happy. So if I join the right church, uh, if I get, uh, maybe if I get baptized when I'm a, when I'm a I just go through the formulas, through the stages and through the steps, hoping that that will make me acceptable to God. And the reality is, According to scripture, it, it really doesn't. Now, all those things might be good. It might be. I was baptized when I was a baby. Okay. And you've lived a good life. I, I, I know your husband. Uh, he's. Uh, he's <laughs> you know, you, you've, she's almost perfect. Just disgusting sometimes. Anyway, um, um, so we, uh, we, we can't be perfect. We're, we're, we're in an imperfect world, and no matter how hard we try, we can't receive this gift. Now, we have to take a look at who God is here for a moment, a little bit more. He's got this free gift that he gives us. We want it, but we can't receive it. He's got it for us. We're going, how do I get it? And there's this block. So what is that? Well, what, who is God, really? Well, God is love. That's an amazing passage, isn't it? First John 4, 8 says, God is love. I love that. And it also says that he doesn't want to punish sin. And in, in the book of Peter, it tells us that he is long-suffering in that no one should perish. Now, he doesn't want you and me to perish, but we're perishing. For God so loved the world that whosoever believed on him would not perish. He, he doesn't want us to perish. And that means that after death, there's a whole lot more. Death, life is a really short time frame. And um, eternity is really, really long. So it's really important for us in this short time frame to make sure that we understand where we're going in that really long space of time. So he doesn't want us to perish. He, doesn't, he wants us to be with him, but not everybody's going to be there. And uh, that's, that's an unfortunate thing, isn't it, Lois? So God is love. And at the same time, the other side of God, is a, it's like he's, he's not a double, two-faced or anything, but he is love. He loves the sinner, he hates the sin. Why? Is because he's also just. And it tells us uh, uh, in a there's a scripture verse I want you to read if you would. Well, I can find it here. 
He is holy and just. Could you read that passage for me in, in Exodus, please? Right here. The Lord, the, the Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in loving kindness and truth, who keeps loving kindness for thousands, who forgives iniquity, transgression, and sin, yet he will by no means leave the guilty unpunished. Okay. Ephesians 34, 6 and 7. That's Exodus. I said it. It's okay. Exodus. Well, you're not perfect, Lois. <laughs> so God is love, doesn't want us to perish, doesn't want us to be punished because we're created in his image, wants to give us this free gift. But the other side of that, he's holy and he's just. In other words, the soul that sins will die. He will not let the guilty go unpunished. So um, we got a more tension. We have this gift of eternal life that God says, here you are. And we go, I want it, but I can't receive it. And, um, and God says, well, okay, I've got a solution. Isn't that wonderful about God? That is. Tell me the solution. Nope, that's as far as we're going to go here today. <laughs> Why don't you come back next week? <laughs> so he, he, come up with a, he has a solution. Now, he didn't come up with a solution. He had the solution way back when he first made man. It's really neat because all the way through the Old Testament talks about, and this is just a side note for everybody, for y'all, okay? Everything in Scripture is about Jesus. Every passage, everything in the Old Testament, every feast of the Lord, every, everything, every commandment is all about Jesus. Every one of them. We're, all, we're on the other side of that, though, aren't we? Hallelujah. So the, the problem is solved through this person called Jesus Christ. Well, who is he? Who do you think Jesus is, Lois? He's God's son. He's God's son. Very good. He yeah. died on the cross for our he sins. He died on the cross for your sins. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. You believe that, right? Yes, I well, do. Well, what, what if I told you, Lois, that the devil believes in God and he trembles? Just a thought. I'm just thinking. Yeah. So even, even the devil believes in God. So, you know, sometimes we go, oh, well, you know, I believe in God. Well, big deal. The devil believes in God, and he ain't saved. Okay, so here's this, here's this God-man, the infinite God-man. God became flesh. It says in, in 1 John, or in John chapter 1, in beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, Right? And then it goes on to say in, in verse 14 that he became flesh and dwelt among us. Emmanuel, God with us. So Jesus was born of a virgin, according to the scriptures. And he uh, was raised and he went to the cross for your sins and mine. That's what he did. He took my sins and your sins and scripture says that it was nailed to his cross all of my offenses, all of my guilty charge. If I stood before a, before a judge and he said guilty, Jesus comes in and takes the, the ordinances of my guilt and nailed it to his cross. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? That's amazing. Isaiah 53 talks about that, talks about who Jesus is. And I love that passage in Isaiah 53. And that's something that I would encourage all of you to read through this week is Isaiah 53. But there's a p place in there that that talks about the suffering of the suffering servant, which is our Messiah, 
uh, Yeshua, Jesus, the, the Christ. And, uh, and it says this in there, that all of our iniquities were laid upon him. And, and I like the thought of that because what that means, Lois, is that all the things that you and I have done, I believe that God's a record keeper. And uh, that's a scary thought, isn't it? And yes, it is. Yeah. And so here's God offering me this free gift. Here's my hand up to God wanting to receive it, but I've got a list. The list of offenses towards God would be much thicker than this is the Bible, but just bear with me, okay? So, uh, so my offenses would be, I mean, that'd be a stack of writings. Uh, I won't tell anybody. Good. So even if it was only a few pages thick like yours, um, it's still, it's still laying, it still lays upon me. So I, I, want, my, I want to reach up and, and take this gift of God. And, and yet, here I am with this load of, of sin. But God loved me so much that he brought Jesus to this earth. He became man and dwelt among us. Then he died on a cross. Well, what does that mean? That means without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. And what it says in Isaiah 53, verse 6, I believe, it says that it was the iniquity or the sin of all of us was laid upon him. Boom. Now, all of my sin was transferred, boom, to Jesus. Now, I'm free. Now I'm free to receive what God wanted me to have. All the things that we do in our life beforehand, the, the good works that we did aren't bad. And we go to church, you were a church secretary, you were, you were a pastor's wife, I understand. And um, <laughs> somebody told me that. I don't know. So, so all the things that you've done in your life, is fantastic things, and, and not to be left undone, you're compassionate, you're kind, and you're mercy, and you're giving, and all those things, that's, that's wonderful. But what this does, it gives me a motive now to do all those things. Before, I was doing those things that hopefully, somehow, I could make God happy. And if God ain't happy, ain't nobody happy, you know that. And so I was trying to make God happy, and, and down inside I'm going, oh man, I'm still short, I'm still a failure, I'm still, duh. Can't do it, can't do it, can't do it. So I just keep searching for a new way to do it. But now, because of all of my transgressions and iniquities are placed upon him who can handle it, it killed him, but it gave me life. Isn't that wonderful news? It's absolutely wonderful news. Yeah, and that's the motivation for our living in Ephesians 2.10 says we're God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works so that now we'll walk in them. That walking in them means that now because I have Christ, because I'm free from sin, I walk different. I'm not walking any longer trying to please God and failing and falling short. I'm walking now because Jesus has already pleased God and paid for my sins. Now I'm just totally free to move about the planet doing good, doing good things. Isn't that wonderful news? It's absolutely wonderful news. Now the way you receive this is through faith. Jesus was talking to, uh, to Mary during Lazarus' entombment. He'd already died. And he said to, he said to her, 
I'm the resurrection and the life. Even though a person dies, if he believes in me, yet though he's dead, he will live. And then he said this to her. He said, do you believe that? So I'm going to ask you a question, Lois. Does what I'm sharing with you make sense to you? Clearly makes sense to me, yes. You're not just saying that. I'm not just saying that. Okay, good. Um, would you like to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Yes, I would. Rather than trying to please God, sounds like Jesus already did that for me. So, yes, I would like That's to That's exactly that. right. So let me clarify for you what exactly that means. That means you're transferring your trust. Remember when I were asked you if God said, why should I let you into heaven, what would you say? And your answers were, um, well, because I, because I, because I, because I. And reality yeah. is, <laughs> and reality is it's because he, because he, because he, right? I see that now. Nothing to do with you. Right. Isn't that wonderful? Very. All right, so receiving that by faith means I'm going to transfer my trust from me, the I, I'm doing this, I did this, I was baptized, I joined a church, I was, I was, I was to thank you, Lord, for the gift of eternal life through the sacrifice of your son, Jesus Christ. So it's all about him. So you're transferring your trust to Christ. Now, faith can get a little... People have trouble with faith sometimes. Sometimes people think that faith is an intellectual ascent. In other words, well, I believe the historical record about Jesus, so that's, I believe that to be true, so that's faith. No, it's not. That's, that's not faith. Um, and there's also a temporary faith when you're driving down the road and you, you know, you're running in the ditch and you go, call me Jesus, you know, and, and, uh, and so you just have this temporary time of faith, you know, or you're praying for a sick loved one or you're sick and you say, oh God, that's a temporal type of faith, and that's, that's okay, but it's temporary. So the type of faith that I'm talking about is a type of faith that lasts throughout eternity. In fact, it really gains you with eternity. And it's, it says that what I'm going to do is I'm going to transfer all that I'm trusting in, I'm going to transfer that to Jesus. So you're transferring your trust. An illustration I like to use is, uh, is a chair. Um, there's just a regular, ordinary-looking chair, like we're, some are sitting in. And um, this chair looks like it's something that would hold me up. I can sit in it without falling on my keister, right? I mean, that'd be the idea. But I won't know that. I can look at that chair. I can say, well, that chair exists. And uh, I can say it's a nice chair. It looks good and solid. But the fact of the matter is, I'm not going to know if that chair can hold me until I, until I really sit in it. And I go, yeah, it can hold me. That's what faith is. Faith isn't just believing that Jesus is out there and that what he did on the cross paid for my sins. It's a matter of really trusting in that. And something happens to us when we, when we sit in that chair, when we trust in, in Christ. He gives us the Holy Spirit that empowers us to walk in this newness of life. Isn't that really, really exciting? It absolutely is. Yeah. Yes, thanks for sharing. Well, you're welcome. Thanks for being such a good listener. May it never end. <laughs> so, I'm going to ask you uh, the same questions, but I'm going to ask you these questions in reverse. So, if you die today, 
Lois, and you and God said, why should I let you into heaven? What would you say now in light of what I've shared with you? I believe in Jesus Christ and I've transferred my trust over to him and have asked him to forgive me of my sins. He took my sins from me. Amen. Okay. And so then the first question I asked you, I asked last. If you die today, do you know for sure that you're going to heaven? Yes, I do. Oh, good. Good. Well, let's give her a, a hand. She's done well. Thank you, honey. You take that That, my friends, is the, is the way of salvation. And it seems, and that's a simple plan, and, and uh, there's a number of different tools that you can use. This one was written by a man named Dr. James Kennedy years and years ago. He's gone to be with the Lord now. And uh, there was, used to be a ministry called Evangelism Explosion. And uh, if some of you are shaking your heads, you recognize, you recognize that. But I've got to tell you that it's better... It's the best one that I'm aware of, and I've seen a lot of them come and go through the years. But if you can get that grace, what it is, if you can get man and who he is, if you can get down God, who is love and also just, if we can get Jesus, who he is and what he did, and in faith, if you can remember those five things, you can lead somebody to the Lord in a checkout stand. And sometimes in Sometimes I'll even put my hand behind my back because I'm going, okay, let's see. Uh, grace, that's grace. <laughs> I'm thumbing and Jesus stopped. <laughs> God stopped. That's his grace, man. I've, I'm thumbing. And uh, man, you know, a sinner, can't save myself. God is love, but he's also just. He doesn't want to punish me, but he has to punish sin. I'm, I'm a sinner, so guess what? And Jesus Christ, the infinite God-man, came to this planet in the form of flesh, died for me on the cross to purchase a place in heaven that he offers to me as a free gift. And by faith, I receive that gift. Friends, it's not rocket science. It's so easy for us to do that. One of the passages of scripture that leaped out at me years ago was when David was praying about his sins. In Psalm 51, he just uh, committed adultery. He had just murdered. And he comes to God and says, God, don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Forgive me and restore me. And then he says this, in that restoring process, he says, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation very next verse then I will teach sinners in the way restore to me the joy of your salvation and then I will restore then I will teach sinners in the way perhaps the reason that we're not teaching sinners in the way is because we don't quite grasp what we have in the joy of our salvation. And as I said, the devil worked really hard before you got saved, but he's really working hard after you get there to take that joy away from you, to make you a crabby, disgusted, angry, bitter, unforgiving, sinning, willfully sinning Christian. We can't lead people to Jesus like that. One thing I know about soul winners, 
and you know it, Clyde, is you can't live a life of sin and lead other people to Jesus. That is a real challenge, my dear ones. Because we want to keep sinning, and somehow we hope we're going to transform the world. It ain't going to happen. It doesn't happen that way. We are God's workmanship. We are His masterpiece created in Christ Jesus for good works so that we can walk in them. We walk through this planet. We walk through our family. We walk through our friendships. We walk through our neighborhood. And we have a message. My prayer is today that if you're here and you don't know who Jesus is, my prayer this week is today's the day. Today's the day that you can be like Lois. After 50 years of marriage, I finally led her to Jesus. And maybe today is the, your day of salvation as well. I don't want to take that opportunity away from you at all. So I want to pray for you. The other thing is, is that maybe the assurance of salvation is just something that has been eroding in your life and you've lost your joy. Sin will cause us to lose our joy. Restore unto me the joy of your salvation. Not mine. I didn't do it. That's an interesting way he puts that. He doesn't say, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. He says, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Then I'll teach sinners in the way. Let's pray together. No, please, please. Clyde, I appreciate that. I'm just a servant, okay? That's all I am. No applause for me, please. My, my Redeemer lives. I can't sing Amazing Grace without weeping. I can't take the elements of communion without tears in my eyes. Because I remember what Paul says, and I remember it really, really well. For I was a sinner deep in transgressions and iniquities begging for bread begging for something and my king Jesus comes riding along and not only handed me a piece of bread but he said why don't you ride with me so I rode with him to his kingdom and he prepared for me a banqueting table and his banner over me has been love ever since It doesn't get any better than that. So we're going to, would you stand with me and we're going to sing here again. But before we do that, I want to I pray with you. Go ahead, go ahead, stand up. You, you need to be able to stretch your legs a little bit. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed, please. If you're here this morning and this word that went out, this, this way of salvation resonates with your spirit. And you're saying, you know, I've been a Christian, I've, you know, I've professed Jesus, and, but I just, I'm lacking that assurance of my salvation. I want to pray for you that today's the day that that's, that changes. Something changes in that way that you see in the relationship with Christ. And uh, if that be you, 
I want you to slip up a hand. Be bold and be brave. I want to pray for you. Yep, I see you. I used to be an auctioneer, so I'll see you. Just wink at me even. One more. Are there others? Okay. Secondly, I'm not really the soul winner that I want to be. Jesus, not talking to me, you're talking to him. I want to win my family to Jesus. I want to win others to Christ. For some, that might mean you need to stop the way you're living. You're not going to have a testimony. Or if you have one, it's going to smell bad. But I want to lead people to Jesus. I want to learn the scriptures and learn how to lead people to Christ. Father, make me a soul winner. And if that's you here today, it should be all of us tell you the truth. I want to be a soul winner, God. Make me a soul winner. If that's you, slip up a hand to God right now. Say, I want to be a soul winner, Lord. So, Father, here we are in this place called by your name, called to be the people of God. And, uh, Lord, thank you for your salvation. Thank you, Lord, for your calling in our life to be disciples of Christ. We're warriors who are willing to lay down our lives, to lay down our comfort and the things that make us happy to bring salvation to others. So, Lord, strengthen these warriors in the name of Jesus. Jesus.